Hey, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the Mission Manhood Podcast. My guest today is Chris Lee Wilson of The Unshakable Man. Chris is a men's coach and joined me today to discuss ego and the true self. We also got into spiritual psychology, emotions, and the real meaning of love. This episode is really packed with a lot of great information, and Chris also provides some good resources. If you've been listening to the Mission Manhood podcast and enjoying, I hope that you can take a minute to subscribe or even leave a review. I really appreciate you being a part of this, and thanks for joining. I'm here today with Chris Wilson, men's coach. Hi, Chris. Hey, how's it going? It's going really well. I met you through Instagram, and I have to say I really enjoy your posts. Oh, thank you so much. You know what I really like are your doodles. (laughs) Yeah, those doodles are, um, they're a, they're a big part of my self-directed learning process. I find that uh, anytime that I learn something or that something comes up multiple times, uh, both in my work, working with men as a men's coach, uh, but also in my own life, just anytime something comes up a few times, I, I'll keep notes in various places, but then by the time it makes it to a doodle, it means it was truly resonant to me and had, came up multiple times. Yeah, it's sometimes it's so helpful to see a picture. Words are important, and a lot of times you put words with them, but it just makes it really clear for me to. I always want somebody to draw me a picture, literally, and so that's what you do. So, yeah, I, it's funny. I find maybe this will jive with you, and but I um, I notice that the the act of doodling or the act of hand, even if it's not a doodle, just drawing out, writing out with my own hand a quote or uh, a statement or a learning artifact that I want to remember slows me down and takes me off out of this digital space where it's almost like information overload. And then I remember it better. Yeah, that's a really good point. In fact, before I got on this call with you, I wrote out some things just to kind of help me. It makes it clearer to me because one of the things I reached out to you on, you, you did a a doodle on ego. Actually, it was almost like a little poem that you did. Mm. And then below that, you wrote some information about ego. So today, before we got, we got on this call, I wrote down like the definition of ego um, and several Mm. different things. And I think I knew this, but I was reminded that ego in Latin is I. So Mm. (laughs) I know I have, I have, um, learned that before but it was a great reminder that's great i uh i really appreciate you doing that it's funny that was going to be one of the main things that i came back was going to come back to in this conversation that even i i often forget but resonated with me yeah so tell me a little bit ego i have to say is one of those things that everybody seems to know the word and when i say it i think my clients kind of get a, the gist of the understanding, but it's one of those things, if you ask somebody to define it, I bet mm-hmm. they would have a hard time with it. And so maybe, I thought maybe we could start out kind of saying what we've wrestled with and what it means to us. And I'll let you go first since I want to pick your brain about this. I mean, 
right off the top of my head, my ego is my constructed set of concepts and stories that I have created about who I am based on what has happened to me in my life. Because I am a, my mind is a meaning making machine and events don't have an inherent meaning. We put, I put meaning on them. And my ego, until I noticed and stumbled upon this new reality or this new experience of my life and realized that I am not this reality of this thing, this one singular thing, I am other things, uh, I, the ego was, was me. I was the ego. And, uh, mm. and so for me, I think to build a relationship with the ego, I have to explore what it is not, right? Because how can I know okay. what the ego is if I'm always operating in it? Okay. I feel like there are a couple of things there to unravel. Oh, there's a lot. Tell me, <laughs> <laughs> tell me a little bit more about your concept of the meaning-making machine. Hmm. So I guess this just comes to my, like, I never, uh, like, from my tra- my learning around the and, and poking around, like, a, a, one of my favorite books is the, the Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism, Learning and Interest in Spirituality. And spirituality and spiritual psychology is the art and practice of awakening into the awareness of who we truly are as divine beings. So, and all spiritual practices uh, really essentially answer three questions, right? Or they attempt to, right? Which is who am I? Why am I here? And how can I make a more meaningful contribution? And within that, there's this like, like when I, when I was, when I was born and when I, when I was growing up, um, a bunch of, uh, a lot of things happened to me. I had to, I had to do what I had to do to survive in order to get my needs met. And I made it until here, until where I am today. And I, a bunch of things happened to me in my life to get here. And I constructed stories around those things and created meaning out of that. And that became my story of who I am. And so, uh, I guess it just comes back to this, this idea that like events don't inherently have meaning we put meaning, we create meaning out of them. I have studied internal family systems therapy. Mm. And so it's kind of a similar concept. Like you have this, the self, which is like your true self. And then you're Mm -hmm. in your mind or ego or psyche, you have these parts Mm -hmm. that were kind of formed throughout your life. And it sounds like it's similar to what you're saying. Yeah, I would say, I mean, yeah, I think it's very similar. I love when I like find things that are similar in different fields because it just, to me, it brings it down to, to, to brass tacks, right? To just like, like these are things that show up in lots of areas, right? And so for me to explore, uh, I think what, what really unlocked this concept of, of ego for me, I never, I think ego is really something that I came into backwards, but I remember when I first started learning about emotional awareness and uh, I was at a workshop with Dr. Eve Ekman, who did um, uh, her, she and her father did a 10 year study with the Dalai Lama uh, on the Atlas of Emotions. And it was all based on emotional awareness and um, what do, what do emotional awareness researchers around the globe, what do they agree on? Um, And they just want to know what do they agree on? And uh, and she she 
stood up there and said, emotional awareness is your experience of your life. So this means if your if your level of emotional awareness is stunted through culturalization, lack of vocabulary, because like our human language in our mind is what if I say I'm angry or if I feel stressed, well that that is my relationship with that physical reaction that's happening in my body. So if your emotional awareness is stunted, then your experience of your life is stunted. For me to come back to ego, like one of the big things that I learned that I, I that unlocked things for me was when I used to think that like love was an emotion. And okay. there's these there's all of these really awesome uh have you ever uh read the book uh or heard of the book uh, uh The Language of Emotions by Carla McLaren? No. No. Okay. So she has some some great pieces on why love is not an emotion. And one of the general ideas is that like we can have every human emotion and still be in love, right? Still be tapped into love. If love is not an emotion, what mm-hmm. what is it? Or how would you describe love? Mm. Uh, so Elaine, Elaine de Button, he did a great piece on this. And what he does is he breaks it down into four things. He says, there's love, desire, needs, and attraction. And love is not desire. It's not getting your needs met. And it's not attraction. So desire from the Buddhist perspective is the choice to be unhappy until you have what you want. So desire isn't, is, is not bad or good. It's, it's constructive in the sense that desire, having desire creates ambition to go get what you want because you'll be happy until you get it. But if you desire everything, well, then you're, you are, uh, really you're, you're choosing to desire everything and to be unhappy. And so the, the, what is important is to notice what you desire and to choose that desire to follow that desire wisely. To yep. not let it overtake you or not be possessed by it or to just be aware mm-hmm. of it and know that it's there. Is that the yeah. idea? Yeah. And to let it go if you, right. And okay. because then you can come back to integrity, but so desire, and then there's needs and attraction. And so needs we have to do, things when we are young before we are consciously aware and capable of getting our needs met we have to do we aren't aware of what our nurturing patterns are we aren't aware of if our parents are good parents or bad parents we aren't aware of the culture that we are born into we are just surviving and we're getting our needs met and then at that stage of our development we learn a series of scripts and uh and ways of acting right and we and, and who knows if those are healthy or unhealthy or, con- or constructive or destructive for our development. They just are. And then attraction, well, attraction tends to come from our nurturing patterns. So if I was over-nurtured or if I was under-nurtured, then whatever I am used to before I was aware is what makes me feel calm, right? So if I was over-nurtured, I feel more calm being over-nurtured. So if I'm with a partner who's under nurturing, I feel agitated, right? And that builds attraction, this duality. But love, love is not desire. It's not these getting your needs met and it's not attraction. And so he comes back to like, what is love? And, and from Charles Cooley's looking glass self, he says, I don't know who I am. And this is how we get to ego, right? Is I don't know who I am and you don't know who you are, right? Like we're all deeply alone inside of our minds, 
right? And I am just trying to reach across this divide to communicate with you, right? Hoping that you understand what it is that I am trying to get across to you and you are trying to do the same with me. Who knows if we're actually connecting, but I don't know who I am and you don't know who you are. I am who I think you think I am and you are who you think I think you are. And I am rewriting this in my mind, constructing my sense of self. I am who I think my mom thinks I am. I am who I think my uh, high school professors thought I was. I am who I think uh, my coworkers think I am. And I construct this identity and this story of like, well, I, like for me, I was like, I was an athlete in high school. I was tough. I was aggressive. I was, um, uh, I was uh, uh, driven, right? And yet when I became, when I got older, I learned that that was actually carrying a lot of anger, that that, that, that driven, that, 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 that decisiveness, that ability to focus and break through ADD, a lot of that came from emotions of having to achieve and, over, and overcome of I'm going to prove you wrong from a relationship with a parent that made me deeply angry. And that anger and that, that, that emotion constructed this, like got, also got me all of the things I was proud of. And am I that guy? Am I that person? When on inside, there's like a true self, there's someone else I didn't know. And so what love is, is love is personal understanding, not just known by me, but understood by me. So like having some lived life experience of knowing my internal self and not just knowing it myself, but seeing it through another person and feeling accepted. And so the closest word from Alain de Baton's perspective uh, in his philosophy is that the closest human word to uh, love, uh, emotion, is acceptance, being accepted, feeling accepted. And it's a choice. It's an energy. And what I notice in this conversation, right, to come to ego, is that healing, right, like healing for me as a as a as a masculine dude that grew up in New England, Protestant, broy, tough, right? Like, like work hard, play hard. My culturalization around manhood was was being strong and steadfast on the outside. For me, the word healing, I didn't have a concept of what healing was. Healing was yeah. like a a term that I didn't really. I understood what it meant to physically heal, but Right. To then go through my maturation and my conscious realization of realizing that the problems in my life, right, this tension, maybe showing up to that and 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 coming to the places inside that block me from that true self and and relaxing, opening, connecting, feeling those emotions that I thought were bad to feel, but in reality, there are no good or bad emotions. They're only constructive or destructive reactions to them. So the closer I would get to those places inside that hurt that I was previously running from in anger, I realized this is acceptance. This is love. And then realizing that that thing that was on top, on the outside, that was ego. Curious about what, you know, because you seem like a a fairly young person. What... (laughs) led you to the point where you even considered that you needed to be healed 
because a lot of people don't realize that until later. Was it like an event or were you just visual? Mm. What's so cool is I don't think that I ever went searching to be healed. I wanted to learn about myself. Hmm. What a great, yeah. What a great question. The, the reason I ask that is because a lot of times when I meet with someone for the first time who's coming in for healing, that's basically why they're coming. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the questions is, what brought you here? Why now? Mm. And the thing that you said, I was curious. You were, it was like, that's one of the characteristics of self is curiosity. So it's like your, your desire to be reconciled to yourself. Like you were separate living just out of your ego. And then it's mm. like you were being called to be reconciled to yourself. I think that externally, from an egoic perspective, I had, had like an inside and an outside from sport. And uh, I think creation, like art, building a business, entrepreneurship, uh, creativity, like all of these endeavors can be spiritual practices, yes. right? Because you are you are taking some part of your internal self and trying to, um, you're creating problems, right? That have to be, uh, like if, like one of my favorite things from the fundamentals of spiritual psychology that I always come back to is that like the problems in our life are our curriculum and we each have our own. And the, the difference between living unconsciously and consciously is do I, when something happens to me and I say, I have a problem with, do I react to that because a negative reaction is bad? And that's one of the coolest things that unlock things, this stuff with emotional awareness is that there are no good or bad emotions. There's only constructive or destructive reactions. If I feel anger and I have all of this relationship story in my mind of how anger hurts people and anger is bad, well, then I won't ever want to experience or go back to those places inside that I have built this relationship with of like, that is a bad emotion to feel, right? And so it blocks me from getting to that, from sitting in it, right? And experiencing it, right? And embodying it and letting it go and and realizing that I am not this emotion, right? I am not this thing that happened to me. I am something deeper inside. And so I think that, the going into those places and being um, realizing that like as a young man racing bikes and, and inflicting myself on this sport and then going into the world of business and work and realizing like, I am not this software sales guy that everybody has seen me. I'm something else. I didn't go to college. I didn't subscribe to that traditional thing. So it created like an internal external and it created agitation, like a feeling of like, what, who am I? Right. Like, am I this person that wins a race or am I this person that does this thing? Am I my job? And I think it's just been like a progressive unraveling and noticing and learning and deepening and then realizing stumbling on healing and realizing like, wow, that's healing. I didn't even know I could do that. Yeah. Right. It's like you started asking the questions and getting curious about yourself and it just led you to the path of, of healing and deepening. Yeah, that's exactly how it was. And so that's to come back to that ego thing, right? Is it's like, 
oh, that's what ego is. It's this story or this construct that I was living, and it's not bad. That's what started this conversation was that uh, some writing on like that the ego isn't necessarily a bad thing. Right. You know, we live in a Judeo-Christian society. That idea of you having to take control of your flesh, I think that's kind of prevalent. Usually, even like big motivational speakers now will say, you know, you just have to cut it off, you have to beat it down, whatever. And so Mm. when I saw you say that the ego is not a bad thing, I'm like, yes, it's not good or bad. It just is. And I think that's what your, your poem was sort of saying. That's one of the tools or one of the things that we have to bring into a, a container of non-judgmental awareness in order to do this type of me search is to mentally and emotionally contrast events and experiences. We have to remove this judgmental uh, bad or good and not in the sense of giving anybody permission to do bad or good, but for just my own me search, realize like, okay, wait, there are no good or bad emotions. Anger is not bad. There's right. a constructive or destructive reaction to that emotion that created my experience of it. Anger can take a life or anger can save a life. Yet my socialization around and my story in my head about whatever created these physical reactions in my body that I wanted to remove myself from, those are the places that are scary inside to go back to. When I sit in circle with men and we teach emotional awareness, it's like breakthrough moments of realizing when you break through that vulnerability and that trust, you realize like, oh, we have been doing this all along and now I've widened my emotional spectrum. So now when I sit in the kitchen or I stand in the kitchen and I have my partner is experiencing uh, some type of emotion or trying to tell me about her life or her day and she's having a challenging time, I don't need to make my partner feel better in order to be in a good relationship. I can actually sit with those difficult emotions. I don't need her to feel better. I can ask her, what are you feeling? Right. So you're just holding the space for her. Yeah. You're learning what empathy feels like, sitting in it and not needing to make a person feel better. You're not your mind and emotions. You are that which thinks about your mind and emotions. Yeah. But just to observe that, you can observe your your thoughts and emotions, and you do that from self or from your center, and that term you used, non-judgmental awareness, is mm-hmm. really how you're witnessing your own self. And I think that's a very powerful to allow yourself to feel what you feel, to check in with yourself, compassion yeah. and, and benevolence. Being an athlete, right? Like being a high-performance athlete at an early age, I, I had experiences with coaches that were deeply real and accepting. You can't hide from your physical abilities. When you go out and you go for a run or you go out to do a physical thing, you either do it or you don't. 
I think individuals will think that the result is what matters, that I say I'm going to do something and then I actually do it. And what I what I discovered at an early age was that it wasn't that I do that thing that was important. What's important is that I show up afterwards, either internally on my own, to be able to come back to this thing and to look at like what I didn't do or what I did do, and that I can repeatedly do that without beating myself up or being self-critical. And I think that is like a very special relationship, a truly non-judgmental, safe relationship where they could feel what it feels like to be accepted and then go for something and then fail and then still come back and have that not be the problem. I didn't get parented like that. And that to come back to what is love, right? Like it's acceptance. Yeah. And I feel like that has to happen in your own self first, non-judgmental awareness to yourself. And then that sort of love and acceptance can then flow out to your community, to your, to your family, to your partner. Let's yeah. talk a little bit, you know, just to wrap up here, a little bit about what's going on. You're mentioning that that noise we can hear in the background is a, a vacuum from your neighbor. Everybody's on lockdown. For people that are that are suffering currently or maybe arguing with what is or challenging their their new reality. A lot of people mm-hmm. aren't happy about it. Would you challenge them just to observe the story that they're telling themselves as a way to help themselves? Mm. Noticing my body. Uh, then labeling how I'm feeling, right? Like, like I call one exercise, the rock exercise, relax, open, connect. So I'd say, I notice the room, the space around me, right? I notice three things, the cactus in the corner, uh, the, the uh, plant hanging from the ceiling, uh, the cat sleeping in the corner. I notice my hands in my lap, my fingers are crossed together, my Socks are cold. My feet are cold. Emotionally, I feel tightness in my chest. I feel calm, patient, open, and seen. And like, so I'm just coming out of it now. I might do that and then realize that, okay, this story of where I am is just another story. I guess that's a, just an example. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that was a really beautiful example of how I tell people that they need to get grounded in their present moment. The present yeah. moment is really the portal for that true self. You can't get there if you're in the past or the future. And that's where these stories are. So I think yeah. you giving that demonstration for people is it's really powerful that you can you can challenge those stories and, and rewrite them and and bring peace to yourself. So I mean, I'm also a normal dude who gets <laughs> gets trapped in his own stuff. So yeah, just because you use these tools doesn't mean that you necessarily mastered them. I think that's important to point out to people too. You never master these concepts. You just use them and get further along down the road. I believe the point of this work is not to not have problems. It's to be able to show up after you come out of fight or flight to reduce that amount of time of reaction and to be able to find a place of 
connection and to drop in and to come back to whatever happened and inspect it and learn from that and show up in a more empowering way the next time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for for joining today. I really appreciate it. Can you give people an idea of where they can get in touch with you? Yeah, you can find me at Chris Lee Wilson on Instagram or at the unshakable man, uh, unshakable man dot me. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll get to talk again soon. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you.